Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. We want to thank HEB for making today's podcast possible. HEB makes it a priority to get involved and make a difference in the lives of friends and neighbors. HEB Operation Appreciation is a company-wide campaign created to honor the brave men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces, men and women who are HEB partners and customers, friends and family. Operation Appreciation partners with organizations like us, the Military Child Education Coalition, that supports U.S. troops and their families. In contributing time, talent, and financial support, HEB recognizes and appreciates the dedication and sacrifices service members make on behalf of the nation. For our listeners in Texas, check out one of your neighborhood HEB grocery stores. HEB is in the people business, they just happen to sell groceries. I'm Deborah Longley, and I'm the Student Program Manager at Military Child Education Coalition, and I'm here with Brett Marcial, and he is with Jason's Foundation. Brett, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, the Jason Foundation? Absolutely. So I have been at the Jason Foundation for almost a decade now. It will be 10 years in, in January. The Jason Foundation is dedicated to the awareness and prevention of youth suicide, And we accomplish this goal through a series of informational seminars for parents and teachers. We have a curriculum for young people and students and through various awareness initiatives that reach really the entire population. Well, can you tell us how prevalent the problem of youth suicide is? Absolutely. So currently, suicide is the second leading cause of death for 10 to 24-year-olds in the United States. We average over 130 deaths each week in this age group. And unfortunately, the problem's only getting worse. Since 2007, youth suicide rates have increased 55%. One of the age groups that we are very concerned with are 10 to 14 year olds. Uh, Suicide within that age group have more than doubled in the last 10 years. Is there a reason why? Do y'all have a study that leads you to say why that's happening? Because that's incredibly concerning that a 10 to 14 year old, well anybody, but a 10 to 14 year old would take their own lives. Unfortunately, we do not have a study. And most of the time, I think it will be really hard to pinpoint a specific reason. Uh, To be honest, I personally believe it's a collection of factors whether that is, some people point to bullying being a more prevalent issue. Some people point to cyberbullying being more prevalent than it used to be. You know, when I was growing up, if I was, let's say, getting bullied on the bus, you know, that could stop as soon as I got off and I went home. I just didn't have to go to that side of the neighborhood, if you will. Now, as connected as we all are, young people especially, 
that bullying doesn't have to stop when you get off the bus. You know, being a part of that social media and always having that connectedness, it can go on throughout the night. And so some people point towards that as a factor, but I do not believe that would be the only thing that affects it. Um, there are other societal pressures that young people face today that maybe you or I didn't feel growing up. There's really, I, I don't know of one answer and I don't know of a professional in the mental health field that would lean in on one exact reason on why that could be the case. Well, what are the warning signs that we um, as adults and students' lives can look for um, to see that they're even considering this as an option? Sure. So depression is one of the leading causes of suicide attempts across all ages. Often this is exhibited in out of character behaviors. So one of the things, a few of the things that we need to look out for when we're talking about of these out of character behaviors are abrupt changes in attendance. So in a school setting, we're looking at that student who has the perfect attendance, who rarely misses, all of a sudden they're out one, two times a week, you know, three times a month where that perfect attendance in K through eight never had a problem with tardiness or anything like that. Deteriorating academic performance. Your straight A student now is getting C's, D's, you know, maybe an F or two um, sprinkled in. Sudden changes in appearance is something we need to look out for as well. Changed relationships with classmates. Sometimes what we see is an increased irritability or aggressiveness within a, a young person. Uh, there's also despairing attitude, maybe a lack of interest. Um, so if there is a sport or a club, a team that a young person is really invested in, then all of a sudden they sh don't care about that subject. They don't care about being part of that team. That captain of a football team no longer cares about being on the team. The dancer decides not to participate anymore your music loving friend decides to quit the band with no real reasons behind it. Those out of character behaviors, you know, as you know that young person, something that, that should cause you concern is when their behaviors differ from, from their typical, uh, you know, exact, their, their, their typical behaviors, how they, how they come across on an everyday, you know, occurrence with them. There's also suicide threats. Sometimes these are very forthright it may be, I'm going to kill myself. Other times it may be a little more veiled. I'd be better off dead or I won't be bothering you much longer. You'll be better without me around. There are, with those statements, sometime a preoccupation with death or suicide. And many times that's found in essays or writings, maybe poems in an English class or artwork, drawings, and then, you know, a different kind of arts class. We should also be on the lookout for social media posts and comments. Sometimes we find that in young people, especially with how connected they are online. One of the other warning signs to look out for are suicide attempts, previous suicide attempts. Research has shown that boys with a previous suicide attempt have a 30-fold increase in suicide risk compared to boys who have not attempted suicide. And with girls, that number is, a little, is, is significantly less. However, it is of note. 
girls with previous suicide attempts have a threefold increase in suicide risk. Finally, our final arrangements. You know, once the decision has been made to end their life, some people and young people begin making final arrangements, whether that's giving away a prized or favorite possession. One thing we need to look out for is a young person who seems to be putting their affairs in order. You know, whether that's making amends with somebody that maybe they had a falling out with or saying goodbye to friends and family. Really, if you find a person, a young person especially, who may have been having a difficult time for an extended period of time, and then all of a sudden it's almost like uh, the switch has been flipped and everything is all right, we need to be somewhat concerned about this because it may mean that they've come to terms with their death that they're ready to make an attempt and they've kind of come to, you know, found peace within that decision. Now, some of these may be seen as your typical adolescent behaviors. We need to be concerned when multiple of these are present over an extended period of time. And this extended period of time is usually two weeks or greater. That's usually how the mental health experts identify that extended period of time. If we are suspecting a student, what do we, that is contemplating suicide, what do we do? So we need to be able to ask them. We need to be prepared to ask them the tough questions. So have a plan in place. Know what you would say to someone who you think might be struggling don't be afraid to ask them. If they are considering suicide, you are not going to put that idea in their head. That's one of the myths that we find oftentimes here at the Jason Foundation. People don't want to talk about suicide because they believe it will drive up attempts. Okay. That's been proven false time and time again. And so be prepared to ask someone, are you thinking about suicide? Do you want to hurt yourself? So we can identify exactly if that young person you know, kind of triage, if you will, where they're at and, and what kind of help that they may need. We also need to be able to listen without judging and, and show you care. We need to stay with that person and make sure they get to a secure place, get to another caring person. So if that's a school, you know, maybe we need to identify who at that school they can go to, a counselor, a principal, a favorite teacher, someone they trust. And then if ever in doubt, we need to get professional help immediately. That's so very, very important. Um, if you're outside of school and you think that a friend is in imminent danger, call 911. If you are a parent, your son or daughter, your child is seriously considering hurting themselves, call professional help. That may be 911, that may be the nearest emergency room. And if you're a um, school personnel, if you're a counselor, even if you're a friend, never keep an attempt or the intention a secret. Okay. We need to be sure to tell parents, if you're an employee of the school, if you're a young person, you know, we talked about how previous suicide attempts make it more likely that a young person attempt again. Don't keep a secret or make a promise to keep a secret from someone else. If you have a, a friend who confides in you that they're thinking about suicide or attempted suicide, the proper people need to know. When you ask a student directly, are you thinking about committing suicide or hurting yourself, do you, will they tell you the truth? Do you know, have any statistics on that? And 
um, is there signs we can look for to maybe when you think they're not telling the truth in a situation like that? I don't have any studies to really reference in, in the form of that question. However, we have seen that asking that direct question, if someone is thinking about suicide, may provide them with an outlet to share their feelings, okay. to talk to someone, to share. It shows them that you care. Okay. But unfortunately, I do not have a study to point to as far as, um, you know, that exact figure. But what I hear you saying is that asking the question is important because people need to know that somebody cares. And that so it, so not to be afraid to ask those tough questions, to face it and move forward with a plan once you have talked with them. Correct. Absolutely. So, you know, the best case scenario is they come across and say, no, I'm just frustrated in the moment. I'm not actually serious about this. You don't have to be, you know, that concern. The worst case scenario is you write it off without asking that question. And then a young person, you know, a friend or student attempts suicide and, and maybe dies by suicide. So what do we do if someone's suspecting that? that you suspect someone, where do, where do you call for help? Um, what are your next steps? So if we're speaking as far as teachers are concerned, we want to set that plan in place before you suspect a young person are you thinking about suicide. So find out what your school protocol may be. That may be alerting the principal, alerting the front office so that they may send somebody down to watch your classroom as you escort this young person to the counselor's office that counselor's office should be the one to contact the parents. And then um, in other areas, if you're a parent and you recognize that a young person may be thinking about suicide, find out what resources are available, whether that is calling, um, finding out what your insurance carrier has approved for finding a psychologist, maybe a therapist that they need to talk to, or again, if in immediate danger, go to the nearest emergency room, call 911. If you're a young person, be on the lookout for these, these signs in friends, and then know where you plan to go to for help. So I know that my best friend, Matt, is struggling with a really hard time. I think he may be hurting. Where should I go? My coach said that he would always be there if I needed anything. That's someone I can go to. My parent, I know that I can trust them with this information. Have someone in mind that you know that you can approach should you be having any of these problems or if you recognize these problems in a friend. That's really good advice to make sure you have a plan because I know sometimes you go into a situation and you don't have a plan and then you're like, Ooh, what do I do next? So having a plan is the most important thing when starting a conversation. So COVID's on everybody's mind, Brett. Yes. How has COVID impacted mental health? Well, we're really still discovering the answer to that question. At the beginning when we were in March or April, we were seeing unprecedented times of self-isolation. Many government and health entities were encouraging people to isolate from others. And what that can do is that can increase loneliness and possibly depression. Again, depression is one of the leading causes of suicide attempts across all ages, not just adults or just children. Um, 
but that depression can be exhibited in different ways as opposed to adults, adolescents, even into the younger years as well. So um, those with underlying conditions, the loneliness, that isolation could exacerbate the problems. So we need to be aware of those who may have been struggling pre-COVID and understanding what their needs may be in this new norm we're working in. Um, there was difficulty, and in many places there are still difficulties, in accessing resources. So as a parent, I know that my child has been seeing a therapist for the past two years regularly, and then COVID happened, and we are no longer to go in and sit to see um, this therapist or participate in this therapy session, and it's moved to how we operate. There's something to be said of it's still great to utilize telemedicine, um, utilizing options to meet with therapists, meet with doctors, um, psychologists over the internet and using FaceTime and using video conferencing. But we do lose some connection when it was previously face-to-face -face interaction. So that difficulty of accessing those resources can also prove to be a problem for young people. And again, adults as, as well. When we moved away from those everyday social interactions, we lost some of that social support systems. So you're used to going out and seeing your friends. You're used to going to school and leaning on those people that you've built up this social support structure with. When we're isolated, it's harder to, to lean on those that want to be there to help. So staying connected, making phone calls, FaceTiming with friends and family with loved ones is still very important during this time. And what the mental health community is concerned with is a rise in these mental health needs as we continue to cope with what's going on. When we see all these problems hopefully come to an end relatively soon as far as COVID is concerned, there are going to be more people who need um, mental health counseling. They need that support that um, many of us see a very large rise, a wave in what needs uh, in, in mental health needs across all ages. And really something we haven't seen yet are that suicide rates have historically risen across all ages when the unemployment number has risen. That's, you know, having financial burdens and worries don't affect just the parents. So if this is something as a parent or as a teacher you're concerned for, even if you don't see it, that trickles down to young people as well. You mentioned resources. What's, what resources are available um, through the Jason Foundation? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, we have a wide array of programs targeted to just about the entire population. For our youth, we've got a school curriculum that can be instituted within schools, specifically middle and high schools. We also have our smartphone app that was designed for young people. It's called A Friend Asks. It's a very wonderful app. It contains a lot of useful information. All those warning signs that we discussed, there are certain risk factors discussed. And these risk factors I'm talking about are certain risk factors make it more likely that a young person attempts suicide. So um, 
the LGBT community are three to five times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers. Um, so that, for instance, is one of the risk factors that you can find in this app. There are examples of what to do if you think your friend may be thinking about suicide. There's what's not to do when you think a friend may be thinking about suicide. There are certain actions you can take that actually make it more likely that a young person attempts suicide. So we want to shy away from making the situation worse. And probably the most impactful part of that phone app is the Get Help Now button. The Get Help Now button will connect you with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It is available 24-7. It reroutes you to a 24-7 crisis call line, and you can speak to someone. Um, if you may be thinking about suicide, if you think a friend may be thinking about suicide, or if you're just looking for resources. So that Get Help Now button is so very important. Um, in your time of need, you may not be able to remember a 1-800 number, but if you have this on a phone as a ready resource, it's much more likely that you'll utilize that resource. And the app is a friend asks, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. It is available for free. Um, all you have to do is search Jason Foundation, either on the Apple App Store or Google Play for Android devices. All of the Jason Foundation's programs are available at no cost. So it does not cost a school, a teacher, or a family a penny for any of our resources or trainings or materials. Um, to continue on with youth programs, we have a B1 project. It is a peer support program, and it's all about being there for a friend if they may be struggling. So the theme of it is someone you know may need a friend, B1. When we transition to parents, we have what we call the Parent Resource Program. The Parent Resource Program is an online program for us. So it's a website that contains a lot of useful information, those same warning signs, risk factors, and there's a resource library contained within it that covers a lot of different topics that are specially suited for the parent-child relationship, that special relationship that exists. Also on that program is our parent and community seminar. So as I mentioned earlier, we have seminars for parents and for educators, but this one is specifically geared towards those parents and is conducted by our founder and president, Clark Flat. It's a very, very well done program that we have found a lot of use from. It's actually the first program that was ever devised and produced by the Jason Foundation. And as far as professionals are concerned, we have our professional development series. It is by far our most widely used program that we offer. Um, they are a collection of training modules. A lot of these modules are used as continuing education, especially within the state of Tennessee, um, to maintain licensure within the state. They cover a wide variety of topics, but the central theme is suicide awareness and prevention. So we have four two-hour training modules available, and we also have five one-hour training modules. The one-hour training modules take a look at different topics and how they relate to suicide. So how bullying relates to suicide or suicide postvention, and what does that mean? What to do after a, suicide, a known suicide attempt or death. So what should a school do? What should a school not do? What are some things to keep in mind as you start to devise these protocols on what to do after a known attempt or death? 
So these are very, very helpful. Again, they're probably the most widely used program that we offer here at the Jason Foundation. And again, we have several different awareness initiatives that build and create that awareness throughout all populations. And one of the ones that we've been promoting very heavily, probably for about the last year or so, is I won't be silent. And a lot of this is done through a hashtag that we share on social media and um, a challenge, um, whether that is to put this hashtag on social media pictures that you have. We have a, um, we have preferred verbiage that goes with it, how you can challenge others to learn these warning signs and not be silent about the problem of youth suicide. And all these can, resources can be found on the Jason Foundation website. Is that correct? That is correct. Our website is www.jasonfoundation.com. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience, um, questions or concerns um, about suicide that we haven't mentioned already? I feel like there's so much more and I'd really like to have you back to do a webinar for our students. I think you'd be a really great resource for them. So is there something else that you'd like to share with our, our um, audience? Absolutely. So very recently, the CDC came out with a survey talking about different behaviors in young people. So their survey is called the Youth Risk Behavioral Survey. What this survey does is reach out to high school students in public and private schools throughout the country. And what they're looking at are behaviors that contribute to the leading causes of death among young people. So we have questions related to obesity. We have uh, questions related to drugs and alcohol, violence, maybe violence within the school, or um, they're kind of posed as, have you ridden with somebody without a seatbelt in the past 12 months? Have you ridden with somebody who was drinking alcohol in the past 12 months? And there are four questions on there that the Jason Foundation looks at when we're talking about mental health or suicidal ideation, having thoughts of suicide. The first question is, have you experienced the feeling of hopelessness or sadness for a constant period of two weeks or greater during the past 12 months? And so what is this question really asking us? It's asking these young people if they've had feelings of depression and not just depression, but this can possibly be the beginning of clinical depression. This isn't something that you can just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and move about along with your day. This is something that requires professional help, possibly even medication as well. 36.7% of high school students said yes to this question. So over one out of every three students said yes to that question. Wow. That's <laughs> alarming. <laughs> very alarming. And to be honest, the next three don't make it that much better. Second question is, have you seriously considered suicide in the past 12 months? 18.8% said yes. Wow. 18.8. So almost one out of every five students. When I am able to, back pre-COVID, when we were meeting with teachers and we were doing live presentations, I always like to kind of harken back to your average class size. So here in Tennessee, it's roughly 24, 25, depending on the school. I don't know exactly what your class size is like. Um, 
but you know, we're talking four, four students on every classroom, at least maybe even five seriously considered suicide in the past 12 months. So at this point, we're at a time of concern. You should be concerned anytime a person or a young person says yes to that question. The next one is, have you made a plan to attempt suicide in the past 12 months? I know how I'm going to do it. I know where I'm going to do it. I know when I'm going to do it. You go from a time of concern to a time of crisis here. Mm -hmm. If there is no intervening factor for this young person, an attempt is almost imminent. 15.7, not that much lower than the ones that seriously considered. Almost one of every six. So three students in every classroom have made, an, have made a plan to attempt suicide. And then finally, have you attempted suicide in the past 12 months? 8.9% said yes. Now, That's my heart. Yeah, it's, it's very, very troubling. So sometimes what we hear to that is that they're, and this is a term that, that we hate here at the Jason Foundation, we hear that they're half-hearted attempts. You know, this young person took six Tylenol because the bottle says do not exceed four within a 24-hour period. Well, any time that a young person or any person of any age really believes and says yes to this question, they believe they're going to die by suicide. And so that person, it's real enough to them that it's almost like a cry of help. We need to take any time a young person believes they're attempting suicide seriously. And so, um, you know, one of the things that, that our founder always says is he wished his son had, had taken a half-hearted attempt. Maybe that was something that we could have prevented. Um, but these statistics are so very sobering, and it's really apparent that there's a lot more to be done. Yes, and I think we all need to join in and help this effort. This is an important effort. It just breaks my heart that kids are crying out for help like this. And um, we, as the adults in their lives, need to make sure that we are there to help them. And this information is going to be out there for so many people to hear. I thank you, Brett, so much for that. We are a podcast about stories. Can you tell us the story of how your organization was founded? Sure, absolutely. So as you've probably already noticed, the Jason Foundation is named after someone. It is named after a young man, Jason Flat. He was a fun-loving, popular, outgoing 16-year-old. He was a student at Good Pasture High School here in Nashville, Tennessee, and he had many friends. He was always very busy. He was an average student, making mostly Bs and Cs, and he was an athlete. He played almost all sports, but he particularly loved football. He was one of those kids that seemed to be born coordinated. Athletics came easy to him and, and football became his passion. He played it, watched it, studied it, talked it. Jason lived with his mom, dad, older brother, and the family regularly attended church. Jason was a member of the youth group. He had just turned 16. He had gotten his driver's license. His family had given him a hand-me-down car and he was very proud of it as most 16-year-olds are. Um, he had started dating. He had his first real girlfriend. On the surface, everything seemed to be going well for Jason. However, on July 16th, 1997, all of that, all of that changed. On that day, Jason took his own life. Um, his decision had a lasting impact on his family, friends, and community. 
Jason no longer had the opportunity to receive help. Many people in our field call suicide a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Suicide can be prevented, and that's what the Jason Foundation is all about. I urge everyone listening to this to get involved. You know, together, we can help stop this silent epidemic of youth suicide. You mentioned get involved. Um, what are other ways we as adult caring adults can get involved? We touched on some of the ways earlier about having a plan, knowing what to do. Um, familiarize yourself with the resources that are available. Know who to call. Know where to go for help. Have this number in your phone. Download the app. Know what number to call for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Right now, we've been really stressing the crisis text line as well. You know, many young people are much more likely to text than pick up the phone and call a 1-800 number. So you can text Jason to 741-741 and reach the crisis text line. There, they will be connected with trained, compassionate crisis counselors that will help move you from a time of worry, maybe a time where your judgment may be impaired into a more calm and cool atmosphere. Uh, they help you deal with emotions. So as an adult, learn the warning signs, know what to look out for, and then know where you're going to go for help. Know what is available and have these resources on hand. Again, we have seminars for adults and for parents. So take some time to watch Again, they, they won't cost you a penny to access, but the information contained within could be invaluable. Can you repeat that text number again, please? Absolutely. So you can text Jason to 741-741 to connect with the crisis text line. I'm going to make sure that that's in our show notes for everybody. Well, I admire you and the Flat family for really changing people's lives. This is an important conversation. And like I mentioned earlier, I'd like to continue it with a webinar for students so that they can help each other um, on this path, and especially in this time where people are feeling more isolated. Um, before we close out, is there any last parting words you'd like to say to our audience? One thing to really double down on is that suicide is preventable. Many times a young person will exhibit one of those warning signs or multiple of those warning signs prior to an attempt. And this isn't just minutes before. It could be hours, days, weeks, even months beforehand. So if you are thinking that one of your friends may be struggling, don't hesitate. Again, suicide is preventable and we can help. I think that the name of the app, A Friend Asks, is going to really stick with me. Um, and the fact that you've made sure that all the audience, and I know that don't be afraid to ask. Ask the question and have a plan. So thank you, Brett. Thank you for your time. And um, I look forward to visiting with you more in the future on this topic. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. 
Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.